Hello and welcome to It's a Gundam, the internet's best episode-by-episode Gundam Seed podcast that finished Gundam Build Fighters and decided to reconquer the next real Gundam series. My name is Jeremy. I'm a captain on the infamous Toad Viper. I am Tyler. My name is Zach. A toad isn't even a frog. I'm so disappointed with myself. We are watching episode 12 of Arikongista in G this week, Capital Tower Occupied. Guys, the titles go downhill from here. <laughs> Nonsense. We know one that's coming up. We know a few that are coming up. In case you're new here after our second movie, there are a lot of ships and a lot of factions, and there are about to be more. Our main ship is the Megafauna. There is a eclectic crew of JRPG characters on that, including Belri, the hero whose mom sent him on an adventure after Raraya, a girl, fell from space with a cool mobile suit that Belri gets to drive because no one else is willing to. On a Monday. There's also Belri's childhood friend, Naredo Nug, who is mostly Raraya's minder. Also, Raraya got the space oxygen deprivation and is a little slow because of it and has the amnesia. Also on the ship is Ida Suragon, the daughter of General Suragon of the Amerian Army. She used to be cool, but is now useless. Anyone else have import on the megafauna? Uh, Danielle, maybe. Adam Smith. Hoppa, uh, the mechanic. Oh, uh, yeah. Hoppa does get to make the decision of what pack it goes <laughs> uh, as we learn this episode. Separately, there is the Space Gronadon, a spaceship from Amerian's enemy, Gondwin. That was procured by the Capital Army, distinct <laughs> from the Capital Guard. Curbs. Curbs is on the megafauna. He's from the Capital Guard. Right, yes, Curbs is on there. Distinct from the Capital Guard. Uh, Mask is there. He's got a mask. Also, uh, Lewin's girlfriend, Manny, and Mask's girl on the side, Barara. <laughs> and two that guys who get not too clear yet. There's also the Rattle Python, the flagship of the Amerian army, on which is Ida's father, General Suragon. They're going to Saint Porto, which is the colony at the top of the space elevator, where they take the photon batteries to take down the space elevator to distribute to the world. Belry's mom does that. There's also the Salamandra, a different ship of the Amerian fleet, captained by noted genius Clem Nick and his <laughs> sidekick, Mick Jack. <laughs> I wonder if that's her real name. I was surprised to find that Clem Nick was short for Clempton Nick, Nick Nicolini. That's not it. Um, Mick Jack kind of sounds like a call sign, doesn't it? Yeah, well, on account of Mick Jagger, yes, it does. Before you look it up, Tyler, give me a guess on her full name. Uh, Mickalis Jackman. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that's why she's so tall. She's Wolverine's great-great-great-great-great-great-granddaughter. I thought Wolverine was really short. Yes, but Hugh Jackman is not. Okay. Uh, did I forget? It? Oh, also, there's Colonel Compact Printer, who is in charge of the who is in charge of the Capital Army, and, and maybe no, he, from he's, space. He's in charge of the Capital Army because he's responsible for forming and head of the research division for yes. the Capital Tower, and also the Pope, who is going to Saint Porto, even though he's not supposed to, because of all the nonsense going on. I think that's everything. That, yeah, that's basically everything. Yeah, I think that's everyone. Also, Toasanga, it's a space colony on the other side of the moon that may or may not be important. That may be where they make space batteries. Photon batteries, I'm sorry. Also, everybody's going to Saint Porto because they don't want everyone else to go to Saint Porto. <laughs> because that's where everyone knows that's where the plot is happening. That, well, Ameria is trying to do a coup by capturing Saint Porto and the Pope simultaneously. But in the name of protecting Saint Porto from some ships on the moon. After they violated the taboo and did some astrological observation. Also, there's Gondwin. They not appearing in this episode. Well, the captain of the space Gronadon is from Gondwin. 
Oh, okay. I, that's not revealed until later, but... Are they allied now? Well, uh, we have heard a number of times that the colonel got the ship from Gondwin. So I presume you don't just give them a space battleship without... Someone yeah. representing you? Yeah. No, it's totally just another version of Lend-Lease. I think that is everything that is happening in space right now. <laughs> There's a president on Earth, but really, we just care about him because he has a funny name. Zucchini Nikini. <laughs> if you followed that, you don't have to watch along. And if you didn't, it's very difficult to find G-Reco. But you can if you find the DVDs. Again, we are watching episode 12, Occupy the Capitol Tower. No guesses as to what happens in that episode. Surprisingly little occupying of the Capitol Tower. Some occupying. Oh, the Wait. DVD calls it the storming of the Capitol Tower, which is different than everything else I saw. Including the back of the DVD. Huh. Awesome. Well done, subtitles. So we start this thing by Raya running around the hangar because she dislikes something. Specifically, she hates the big bulky backpacks in air quotes that they keep putting on the G-Self. <laughs> I do love that Naredo is now just no longer coddling this woman. She's like, you know what? You get the stun shot from my slingshot. Sneezing powder. And Ida and Naredo have to do a very cool zero-G chase of Raraya. The, the one like, is she trying to break the backpack with a wrench? The one joke I was proud of is that it's an assault pack to her senses. And Bella's like, hey, I'm not a big fan too, but I need it, okay? It's big and lets me do space things. Belry distracts Roraya long enough for Ida and Naredo to haul Roraya away. And Ida's like, what's wrong? And Naredo's like, Roraya says the G-Self isn't free. And Ida's like, oh yeah, I can understand that. It's got to have like a negative 10 to its agility with that thing on. <laughs> and Hoppa's like, yeah, that's true, but I installed the assault pack based on your next mission. I've installed the, the assault pack in mind of our next place and or toy. I was part of the war, don't you know? So I get to decide these things. I have way more experience than Lieutenant Curbs. I've studied wars, you know, or I've been in wars, you know. Bellary protests that mobile suits are for close combat. And that's Hoppa's like, so that's why we have this. But the Arcane and Grimoire couldn't use it. Just the G-Self. Anyway, read the manual. Or ask the guy who drafted the Rose of Hermes blueprints why only the G-Self can use it. Yeah, and he's like, so read through that and you'll be fine. Hoppa's like, if I'm going to be assigned to this ship, I need you to protect me, okay? Okay. I don't want to die in space. That would suck. And Bellary is like, I am enthusiastic. I'll go read the manual now. And he gets through basically the entire thing in, like, a lunch break. Short manual. I assumed it was the entirety of the Rose of Hermes blueprints. <laughs> I'm pretty sure it's just the assault pack manual. Assault can also <laughs> refer to beating up someone. <laughs> I do love that. Oh, you sheltered child, Bellary. <laughs> well, maybe it's fallen out of use now. Also, I think the word is assault is in English, so I do love the idea of this instruction pack just having like a opening paragraph about, hello, assault is the concept of long-range bombardment. It can also refer to <laughs> beating someone up. In this manual, you will learn how to assault your foes from a long range <laughs> using the uh, Amerian assault pack, courtesy of Caribbean Labs. It's got like a clippy. Yeah. I do. Uh, we cut to space and McJack is like, you're hey, cadets, you're drifting northward. I'm like, what is north in space? Towards North Star. Ah, that makes sense. So, like, doing a resupply in space. And Klimnik's like, in the previous episode, we had to deal with gravity, but now we're high enough off that we won't. 
Anyway, Mick Jack and Clem Nick revealed their dastardly plan about having their supply ship pretend to be in distress because according to the Constitution of St. Porto, they have to render aid to distressed beagles. Wasn't she just outside? <laughs> she was, yes. <laughs> That's a very good point. We unfortunately don't know what a beagle is, so they're like, we're going to pre- assume it's a ship. What and- they don't know is it just means that they have to be careful and have to pull over for any small dogs they happen to find. <laughs> in space. In- Look, if there are any space dogs, take them in. They're good boys. Seems like a very good part of the <laughs> charter. I do love how Klimnik's like, I expect a great performance from you. And this guy's like, oh yeah, we have some drama students from high school in the army. They're psyched about this. I mean, hell, we've even got a guy who went to college for this. And he's like, I finally get to use my degree. I am an actor once more. All the world's a stage, but what's space? The greatest stage. The final stage. <laughs> anyway, Clem Nick starts giving a speech to his rowdy space fleet about going to St. Porto, and they're like, we're going to get cursed. That's like the holiest place. We'll all die in agony. And Clem Nick's like, no, we'll be occupying it. It can't curse us if we're occupying it. Everybody knows that. Just ask the people who unearthed mummies from the pyramids. <laughs> like you're in the, <laughs> occupying the pyramid, you can't get mummy cursed. Then Mick Jack comes up to Clem and is like, hey, by the way, we're under attack. And he's like, oh, no, we're under attack. Hey, all you guys, we're under attack. And don't spread Minofsky particles till I know what's going on. I mean, it makes a certain amount of sense so that it lets him talk to everybody else. Anyway, Mask is like, okay, I'm incompetent against main characters. But Clem Nick is like a side character. Surely I can take him. Surely Clem Nick will job for me. I love the captain who's still wearing his suit under his space suit. Look, he didn't have time to change. That was his space suit, Zach. Now he's just wearing two space suits. <laughs> so we get some exposition from Danielle about how the main Amerian fleet is already above in position of St. Porto. So they just need to bail out the Salamandra. Yeah, man, the assault pack's like three times the size of... It is the one I would most argue is its own thing to rank if we were to rank the pack separately, especially since Hapa even said earlier, oh no, the G-Self will not be controlling the assault pack. The assault pack will be controlling the G-Self. <laughs> I, okay, I, that, is, that was really funny to me. So Bellary is sitting there reading through the manual and he goes, oh man, there's still five pages left. Oh, I read. I finished the whole thing, tosses it off to the side. It apparently, like, bounces off the side of the cockpit and comes back and hits him in the head. Well, yeah, because Hoppa is like, how have you not finished that yet? <laughs> I thought you were going to protect me. So Belry and Ida launch, and Ida's like, hey, I'm going to just hitch a ride so that I don't have to use up fuel. It looks like the assault pack has plenty. And she just kind of, like, hangs off of one of the sides of the assault pack. And Belry's like, hey, if the salamander gets taken out, it's going to be a problem for your dad, right? And I was like, yeah, I guess. The bigger problem is Clem Nick. He's such a hyperactive menace. <laughs> and I was like, thanks for coming out to fight the Capitol Army. I'm impressed about your resolve. And Bellray's like, you know what? Fuck those guys. <laughs> I hate those guys. Just like I hate every- I hate all the same people you hate. Don't worry. <laughs> Did you see that one guy? He had a mask and he tried to punch me. I mean, how much of a douche do you have to be to wear that mask? Cut to the Salamandra, where its captain has decided that they're going to use the tower as a shield so that they won't use any long-range attacks against them. So a scrub goes up to Clem Nipkin and is like, hey, look, there are two uh, two mobile suits were launched from the megafauna. And Mick Jack's like, ooh, Ida's coming. You must be thrilled. And Clem Nick's like, no, I, a noted genius, realize she sucks now. Uh, meanwhile, Barara and Mask are holding hands just so they can have a contact link. That's the only reason. They're keeping long-range missiles on standby. <laughs> 
They're crotch missiles, <laughs> notably. There's also exposition about how they're photon eye missiles so they can home even with Minovsky particles. And Bell is like, hey, even if we can't snipe them accurately from this far, we can write on cover fire and maybe make them retreat. Also, the assault pack has a photon eye, so it also can shoot through Minovsky particle problems. Well, she's like, is it reliable? And he's like, uh, I trust Hapa. Well, I'm about to fire it for the first time, so we'll see. I hope it doesn't suck. The high torque pack sucked. Anyway, Ida realizes that she had no reason to come out here and is like, well, (laughs) I hope you do a good job, Bell. Barara goes full gear in Lagan as she fires her secret technique, homing missiles. (laughs) And then all of the Mac Knives fire homing missiles. Luckily, Bellary has a new type sound effect, not quite a new type flash, and fires all of his giant lasers. And his missiles. Because the assault pack also has missiles. <laughs> Viper, Viper. Viper, Viper. Uh, the Viper, Viper's barrage misses, the, but luckily the assault pack from downtown destroys all of the photon eye missiles. And then we get an eye catch. What nonsensical reptile names would you suggest for the Amerian fleet? I'm personally a fan of the Pit Cayman. Hello, and welcome to episode 12 of Gundam Reconquista and G. Uh, we're almost halfway through, and thanks for sticking with us on this adventure. I am seriously considering writing an essay in defense of Reconquista and G when we're done with it. Um, not saying that it's, like, the best Gundam series or anything. It might still be the worst Gundam series, but it's maybe not as bad as everyone thinks. Anyway... This is a pitch for our Discord, specifically a place for cool nerds do cool nerd things, and also our game night, which we promote on our Discord. Uh, We're playing Space Engineers right now, and by we, I mean me. I've fallen way too hard in this game, and it takes at least an hour of my time every time I boot it up for five minutes. It's a problem. But if you want to play with us, join our Discord. Hit us up. Let us know. If you ever see us in the voice chats, people are welcome to just hop in and chat with us. Anyway, that's it. That's my pitch this week. Join our Discord. Um, Okay, bye. The Viper Viper is the mothership of the Amerian army, according to this. Uh Uh-oh, blast them. Ships of the line are the Viper Viper. Kept like, hey, did they defend us? And someone else on the bridge is like, no, it came from an entirely different direction. So someone else shot them. Come neck, a genius is like, hey, why do I see explosions? Mask is trying to avoid us by attacking our ship. How dirty. Let's go stop him from doing that. Come on, y'all. Let's go fuck him up. They've already expended their crotch missiles. And Mask is like, mm, I sense Bellary! <laughs> As he keeps trying to shoot them from long range. And Barara's like, hey, he's over this way. I'll go deal with him, I guess. He's like, but we could take out the salamandra while it's defenseless. So Bellary detaches from the assault pack to get out and push. <laughs> For so I don't understand why. It's got why. a bunch of huge engines on the back. Why did you get out and push? Maybe it's out of fuel. Maybe they used it all to get here. We see Masks and Barara flying through a barrage of anti-aircraft fire, which is pretty cool. Barara just does a full Hurricane Rana on a Grimoire and cuts it's it in half. heckin' re- we get to see the Mac Knives do some rad shit this episode. They really sell them to me this episode. <laughs> Klimnik. <laughs> Klimnik and the boys. There's a full Power Rangers pose until Mick Jack gets tired of his shenanigans. He's like, Johanna Ranger Blue, Mick. And I had a bunch of assholes behind me. And, Cl- and Mick Jack is like, let's talk more shoot. Yeah. Let's talk more minigun. <laughs> because the heck it, he has a minigun that she just starts spraying with. 
The minigun is one of those weapons that you don't need to aim with. You just, you know, fill the area with enough bullets, you're going to hit something. That's enough of a distraction for Klimnik to take one down. But Mask tries spinning, which is <laughs> Mask- we all know is a good trick. And it looks like he's doing full, like, Dragon Ball Z energy blast hucks because of him spinning, shooting all the finger lasers. No, he's trying to use the Death Blossom from the last Starfighter. <laughs> it's working, too, until Bellry shows up with his assault pack and Ida. His assault Ida. And Klimnik's like, ah, reinforce and Ida. That cancels out. <laughs> that cancels out Bellry. Why did you bring her? Because now we have an assistant and something that we have to babysit. Uh I do love that brief scene of all of the miniguns brass right in front of the camera. Yep. We then cut to Bell like just freaking out instead of helping. He's basically having an existential religious crisis over this conflict happening right in front of Sanct Porto. We do get to see Mask do like a sweet missile kick as he beam saber or beam lasers out of his fingers. And Barraro's like, hey, that was rad, but you're being too reckless. We're gonna get killed. Let's get out of here. By the blue Jahannam specifically. Look, she knows he's competent here. She has a bunny ear helmet. She has had that the entire time. I know. It's how else could you tell it's Barara, Zach? <laughs> anyway, Bellary's like, humans wouldn't have a war in front of Sancto Porto. Bellary, let me introduce you to the 20th century. <laughs> yeah, well, th- they got past that. But Klimdick is bringing it back, 20th century style. All the girls be drag I'll be dragging their men back to the ship, except Bellary and Ida, which is role reversed. <laughs> Apparently the captain of the uh, Salamander is like already filling out his captain's log. <laughs> Look, this is the coolest thing that's ever happened to him. <laughs> Did you see what Mask was doing? But now they're all heading for the Capitol Tower. I do also like that uh a random elf bullock got damaged and Mask like tows it with a tow cable thing that he used earlier. And Ida and Bellary push the assault pack back to the Megathana, and Ida's like, hey, we'll enter St. Porter from the Megathana. And Bellary's like, how? They won't even let Capital Guard ships in. And she's like, well, there's a nut below it, right? We'll just go in there and then go up. And Bellary's like, oh, yeah, there's a wharf there. That'll totally work. And Curb should be able to get his clearance to enter, and wow, Ida, I, you're being useful. Ida's perfectly competent outside of combat, I yeah, feel. She's good at logistics. So Mask gets back to the Space Grotidin and is like, hey, tell Jugen we're going to hang out here because for some reason Sanct Porto has accepted in the Gaviel. So that's probably a problem for us. We need reinforcements. Please tell the Colonel. He can print some for us, surely. <laughs> Ketta Curbs putting on a very dramatic performance as if he was the one who went to gr- drama college <laughs> about how, hey, we need to get in there. Just ask the Pope or Bellary's mom. We know they're there. I'm see this uniform, and one of the uh, officials like, uh, sure, but we only have two people who IDs who work, which is weird because Ida has an official ID and we know that. Maybe Bell- she lost it. <laughs> anyway, Curbs tries a Han Solo check, and unfortunately, it was a boring conversation anyway. Well, at least he didn't shoot her. <laughs> Bellary's like, "What's going on?" And Ida's like, "Yeah, t- that's just how the Capital Guard be." And Curbs like, "You want to get slapped again?" <laughs> I don't think I was there the first time, but Delson <laughs> definitely told me about it. No, I think he was there because he he was on that he was on that ship. That's true. Which I think was a crown. Yes. So I was like, well, I guess I'll go up in the arcade, and Bellary is like, yeah, I'll go too. And uh, Curbs like, did they let the uh, salamander in? And, and <sighs> Curbs like loses his shit. They're like, they're occupying it. How dare they? They'll be cursed for sure. And Daniel's like, no, we're trying to uncurse all of humanity. Don't worry about it. 
Naya's like, well, we should just find out what's going on first. So we're going. Also, we're taking Naredo. She seems competent. And Raraya. Why not? <laughs> well, because they have they have to take Raraya because Naredo is constantly babysitting Raraya. So if you take Naredo, you have to take Raraya because no one else is going to watch her. I feel like Curbs it's, would. Like, it's stranger in the fact that why is the arcane having to, like, tow the G-self wrapped in hazard tape? Yes. Yeah, why? Yeah. Like, everyone knows that G- like, the Amerian army is occupying Sanct Porto, and they know that the G-self is on their side. I don't understand the reasoning. Me either. It is very confusing and not really clear as to why this is necessary. They don't even, like, try to keep up the ruse when they get up there. A bunch of Amerian Jehannams inspect them, but it's fine. They're also like, hey, why is there so much bondage in this show all of a sudden? Mariah <laughs> last week, the G-Self this week. Seems kind of weird. It's like, dude, you guys are on the same side. Why Why is there this confusion around the G-Self? Then a bunch of other Jehannams recognize the arcane, and they're like, oh, look, it's Ida. Miss Ida has come to join us. We needed a mascot. <laughs> look, everyone likes a princess. The G-Self is tied up. Yeah, I'm confused too. <laughs> so they get out of the bay and run right into the shank rental of Sanct Porto for all of your Sanct Porto tourism needs. I told you one day we would be occupied by rattle pythons and business would be booming. <laughs> How did Raya know what button to press on the elevator? Uh, she's slowly becoming more and more competent. She wanted to show them that. Th- this one like dude sitting there like, I'm the... Introductory tourism. I love this job because I never have to deal with people. With a rental shake, it's just five minutes of the cathedral. They call it the communion room. It's like the velvet room. Anyway, it's New Zealand up in here with rolling hills <laughs> and sheep and one beautiful cathedral. With all of the shanks parked outside, that rental guy is making a killing today. Well, it's not like there's anything else up there. So anyway, in the church, it's all the same people that were in a church last time. You got <laughs> Colonel Compact. You got General Gushin, you got the Pope, you got Belfry's mom, and they're all being like, hey, you're assholes. Why are you occupying St. Porto? I thought you were better, Gushin, than to let a hyperactive child drag you into occupying Pope lands. Well, I believe, uh, isn't Klim Nick here? Yeah, Klim Nick and Mick Jack are also here, so they've been added to the, the mix as opposed to previously. They weren't in the previous scene in dealing with the uh, Space Pope. Clem Nick's like, I, a genius, snuck in here and took over. That proves I'm good enough to be in charge, right? I do love how Bellary's mom is like, General, you let this wacky-ass kid dictate what you're doing? And Bellary's mom is like, hey, that's my job. It's not even the Soul Festival right now. The Pope shouldn't even be here. Anyway, Ida arrives with Naredo and Bellary to be more dramatic. And Ida's like, hey, shouldn't we protect this place? Isn't that what we came here for? And Klimnik is like, no, first we have to seize control of the photon battery distribution so we can make cool mobile suits to protect it. First, you secure the economic lines and build a base. Then you build the units. Then you defeat the enemy. Have you never played an RTS, Ida? (laughs) (laughs) And Bell's mom is like, but that's my job. And then the space pup is like, you want to use Toasanga's power. Everybody's the hell are you talking about now? So Clem Nick starts giving an exposition speech, but they're interrupted by the battle clock. L- like everything in g just as we're about to get some exposition. Something <laughs> explodes. The Gaviel, specifically. It got shot from off screen. And Gushin's like, oh no, the space threat. And Bell's like, if it was the real space threat, they would have just shot St. Porto. That was Keikoku. 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 <laughs> 
Kekoku. Kekoku. That must have been a warning. A warning, a warning, a warning. <laughs> it was a warning shot. You you killed my ship. It's a good warning. Cut to the moon. With a space fleet coming from the moon, launching presumably mobile suits, but maybe missiles. Or both. Mobile missiles. I don't believe those are in this series. I think that was a double lot thing. <laughs> well, Zach, I've watched it and you haven't. That is true. I can't even remember what the thing is fucking called. I know I hate it, but I can't remember what it's called. Yeah, the thing that has no legs, right? <laughs> yeah, the thing that's driven by... Oh, I can't even remember his name. It by was so by fucking... clones of Killstar? That's definitely <laughs> not his name. The red-headed one, Divine Nova. <laughs> I, I think Divine Nova was one of them, but I think it was the other one that... He I was gonna call him really... Knives Millions, but that's not that, that's a that's a Vashla Stampede. No, he had revive, a re- revival. No, it's not revive. <laughs> it, it's it's Divine's other half. Bring Stabity? Yes, yes, that's, that's it. it. <laughs> Brings Stabity. Pilot multiple whatever these things are, Darendols or something. I don't know. Darendols, I don't think are, are what they Zaza were. Zaza Booster is all that's coming to my mind, and that's from Double Zeta. So it's not that. Uh, this episode's over, by the way. Uh, what did you guys think? Uh. It was, the action was pretty good. I still don't understand what the hell the the plan is. Get to Saint Porto, win? Is it first to pass go, collect 200? Well, you see, that's where all the photon batteries are. So it's about who gets, yeah, it's about passing go to collect $200 so that they can be in a better bargaining position. So they can build more Marines. Yeah. Hey, we saw a new character face. That's amazing. Do you have a high point, Tyler? It's specifically the cool kick flip with a missile that Mask does, uh, where he just, like, no-sells a grimoire, I think, with it. Zach? I think my high point might be right at the beginning where Ida and uh, Naredo have to are wrangling Roraya. I do like the ending and the warning shot, but it comes so quick and G-Wrecker-like that I think I'll go with Barara doing the Hurricane Rana and cutting off a grimoire's head with her Mac knife legs. Do you have a low point, Tyler? Uh, Runner-up high point, really quick, is also the captain of, I think, the Rattle Python keeping his sh- his captain's log. No, no, that is the Salamandra. That yeah, was the Salamandra. the Salamandra. Okay. That was hilarious. What is my low point? Uh, the fact that nothing gets accomplished in this giant space battle other than the Amerians just kind of, like, floating into port, I guess. <laughs> Zach? I'm tempted to say the warning shot because it stops all discourse right away. Just but like G Reco. It does feel kind of a weirdly appropriate. I think I'm actually gonna go with why were they tying up the G self? Like that that bothers me so much because like we know it's on our side. Why are you tying it up and towing it? Maybe to make people think that it's non functional? I don't know. But they know it's on their team. Yeah, why tie it up? You could just tow it if that's what you were trying to do. Let's see. I'm gonna go with even Clem Nick being like Ida. Ida sucks, <laughs> which I kind of love, but I wish I didn't. I mean, it's a, it's funny, but it shouldn't be, right? Exactly. There are lots of good action shots and just like people randomly contacting each other in the middle of battle and like tactics and stuff. And the fact that no one spreads Minovsky particles for the majority of the fight means that they can actually use radio, which is kind of nice. Well, right at the beginning where they're all getting prepared and whatnot, like, they're using the radios and like, okay, we got to do this right before they do the Minovsky particles. Yeah, it's a kind of cool thing. Do you have an MVP, Tyler? I'm going to give it to Barara, actually, for being the most competent pilot on the battlefield this episode. Fair. Zach? I was actually going to kind of say the same thing, because Barara feels like she actually does a lot, because, like, 
She's competent on the battlefield. She wrangles Mask back in. She's actually kind of all over the place all episode. Because there is Mick Jack and Mask on the battlefield, I keep wanting to call him Misk Jask. Um, <laughs> and that is nothing. <laughs> I think I'm going to go give it to Ida for coming up with the plan to infiltrate Saint Porto and just like insisting they go forward. And actually doing And she confronts the Pope. Yeah. And Clem at the same time. All right, this episode's super short, so shall we add something to our mobile suit ranking? Sure. Uh, so things that show up in this episode are the the Hecate, the Jehanum, and the Mac Knife, as well as the G-Self that we have not ranked yet. Uh, also, we have the Wrecked Snow, which doesn't really feature in this episode, but we haven't added yet. I would lean towards the Jehanum or the Wrecked Snow as mobile suits that aren't going to do much more. Why don't we just do both? As I not the Hecate. Hecate has some stuff we haven't seen. Okay. All right, let's start with the Jahanam then. How do we think it compares to Ameria's other grunt suit, the Grimoire? I like it actually quite a bit better than the Grimoire, and that's... I like the Grimoire pretty well already. I think I would agree with that. I like it a lot more than the Grimoire, and I like the Grimoire quite a bit. The... In interesting. I think it's like a super boring version of a Zaku. Like, I would have it down with the Leo, personally, but I'm outvoted Really? Yeah. Uh, no, it has a lot more, like, Zaku Warrior vibes to me. And... It's a lot beefier. Yeah. How do we think it compares to the M1 Astray, which is the next grunt up on the list? Not as good as the Astray, actually. That was a pretty easy choice for me. I think the Astray... Huh. No, I think the Astray is a bit better. Like, while I like the Jahanam because it is a lot beefier, the Astray actually has, like, a defined, like silhouette and aesthetic to it, whereas the Jahanam is just like, hey, I'm a beefy mobile suit. Yeah, the Astray's got a whole, like, ethos is not the right word, aesthetic, I guess I mean, is probably got, what I'm going for. I mean, it's a very Gundam-like aesthetic. How do we think it compares to the Grimoire Red Beret? I think the Red Beret is better. I think the Red Beret wins it for me because of all the, like, the shenanigans that the ferret can do in his mobile suit. All right, we are now at bad comparisons only. How does it compare to the Zamzaza? I think I actually like the Jahanam better, and I say that as I think the, the Zamzaza stan on the show. Uh, no, that's me. Okay, well, that's fair. <laughs> I just like the Zamzaza. I think the Jahanam is better. All right, then. The Jahanam goes at number 56 above the Zamzaza and below the Grimoire Red Beret. Jeez, I didn't know the Zamzaza was that high. You say I... that every time we bring up the Zamzaza. <laughs> this is no Zamzaza, boy. No Zamzaza. Do we want to put Clem Nick's Jahanam on here separately? Or do we think it is the same but blue? It is the same but I'm, blue. It's got like a horn on it, but I think it's basically the same but blue. If it comes up and it shows some more stuff other than what the standard Jahanam can do, we can revisit the topic. All right. Uh, we're also going to add the Rekt Snow then. How do we think it compares to the Rectin? I like it more. I like its shoulder gun. Yeah, slightly better than the Rectin. How do we think it compares to the Jinx from Gundam Double I don't think it clears the Jinx. I think I agree. I think I prefer the Jinx. How do we think it compares to the Enact, for also from Gundam Double I think I prefer the Enact, but I, I could be persuaded if someone has an argument. The Enact is a really dumb head. <laughs> it does have, yeah, but so does the Rex Snow. And it's so sleek. Yeah, but the Rex Snow's head looks dumb on purpose. It's like comedic dumb. The Enact is supposed to look cool. I think I might give it to the Enact, although it's mostly because, like, I like the way the Rectin's, like, very much got kind of a uh, construction vehicle modified for conflict vibe to it. But the Enact has like its weird spinning like shield thing on it. We've definitely talked about this, but what do you think of the ball? Which is another construction it's vehicle okay. modified for combat. It's okay. okay. It's the least exciting of those, right? Because it's a ball. 
that they put it, a it is a ball, on, that's fair. which is nice, but it doesn't super inspire. Uh, it's mostly fun for the joke about how the only time a ball ever hit anything was when a Zaku kicked one into a gym. How do we think it compares to the Susanoo? <laughs> is that the one without beam katanas? Yes. Now, the Susanoo is um, a thing. <laughs> Correct. But I think I might like it more than the Recton, although the Recton definitely has a lot more charm to this it. This is the Rekt Snow, but yes. Yes, the Rekt Snow, I think, has a lot more charm to it than the Susanoo. The weeb suit? Um... Yeah, the, the weeble suit. Weebles wobble and then they explode. Um, I, I think I preferred the Susanoo, actually. I think I preferred the Rex Snow. So what do we think about the other weeb suit, the one with beam katanas, the Masaro? I don't think it's a better design, but I think the Rex Snow just has the level of charm to it that yeah. puts it over for me. I kind of like the idea of splitting them up with a Rex Snow. So oh, that there's is... already stuff between them. Oh no, okay, never mind then. Um, we go below. I think I'm gonna agree with Zach. G- give the Rex Snow a leg up. The poor thing. All right, the wrecked snow goes at number 137, below the Enact and above the Masaro. And that will do it for this quick episode. I needed the last one to be quick, and this one is instead. Yay. (laughs) Join us next time when we will be watching episode number Lucky 13, Those Who Came From the Moon. That wizard came from the moon. (laughs) If you don't listen to the next episode, we'll replace Peter Dinklage. (laughs) 